Welcome to the Random Horror Show. I am Keisha Lacey, your horror hostess. And here at the Random Horror Show, where I will be talking about being silly, goofy, and crazy, and random, and just, 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 all, just all over the damn place. But we always come back to the main point. In horror, science fiction, fantasy, cult classics, and the obscure in movies, television shows, and books. And thank you so much for listening to this Texas horror podcast coming straight, straight out of the Piney Woods, better known as the Iron Pie Curtain. And tonight, I have a special guest as I sit down with the man of the hour who have written and directed Hell Van uh, which blew me away I watched it three damn times it's just it's a wonderful wonderful film and you get to hear everything what Mr. De La Rosa has said to say as he stopped by the random horror show had the chit chat and chop it up with your girl as I present to you my horror fiends and fans. Random horror chat with Jorge de la Rosa. Let me say it again. Let me, I gotta stay on sexy with it. Jorge de la Rosa. Jorge de la Rosa. Jorge de la Rosa. Well, thank you so much for joining the Random Horror Show. And ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to the man of the hour that's behind Helvin, Jorge De La Rosa. Hello, hey, ladies hello, and gentlemen. Everybody. Hello. <laughs> mm, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's, it's a pleasure of having you on this show. Oh, my gosh. I just cannot wait to pick your brain. And I just... I'm just so in love with Hellvan. I really am. I listened to the uh, podcast about it today. And thank you so much for the, the glowing reviews. It's hard to believe you watched it three times. That's wild. Yes, I did. I did watch it three times. Um, you know, when I, I did tell you that when I uh, got out of Terrifier 2 and your movie popped in my head, I sat in my car and I was just discombobulated. And I'm just like, and then Helvin popped in my head. I was like, you know, Helvin is so much better in the theaters. That would be I nice. shit you not, man. I shit you not. I, I mean, your movie popped in my head. And I think it does need like a pretty like bigger wide audience and a recognition. Well, I'm trying. Um, I'm trying. Well, you're doing a hell of a good job because you're having all these showings. Um, you know, these theater shows, because I've been watching, you know, watching and following you on Instagram, and I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, uh, we're getting, uh, the the film festival circuit is pretty competitive, and Mm -hmm. so we're getting maybe one out of every five submissions uh, selected, so it's a a little depressing, but also, you know, it is it is what it is. We made a dirty grindhouse movie that you know the palette isn't for everyone. And uh coming out of COVID, a lot of people probably made a lot of good films and we were competing against them. So but um I think that Hellvan 
has legs and can run for a long time. I, oh, believe, I believe in it. I believe in it too because, first of all, the title alone is eye catching. It was meant to be a joke. Well, the killer van for the van. The tag is a hell van. It's a van. It's about a van from hell. That's the reason why I like it. And then I was, it was to, it was meant to sound stupid so that the audience didn't expect much from the movie. Right. And then what you do is you lower the expectation of, of the audience so that when they come out of it, they're like, you know what? That was damn fun. It was better than I thought it would be. That was the idea of it. Making a dumb, a dumb name. Well, you executed it very well. Thank you. I, we executed it very well. There was a big team oh, yeah, behind you, us. Yeah, your team. I'm, I'm just, yeah, give props to the team and stuff. Um, y'all did. Y'all did a damn good job. Y'all executed it very well. Thank and you. And I, 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 I was like literally uh, just impressed by, about everything about Hellband. I, I I mean, I have, well, how would I put it? Um, as a horror reviewer, you know, watching movies, whatever, you know, TV shows, et cetera. I noticed that a lot of people hype a lot of stuff. And when they get to watch it, the their expectations literally, uh, pun intended, goes to hell. Right. And um, like I just watched this uh, past weekend, of the reimagine, oh gosh, that word reimagine, right. Hellraiser, right? Um, is it? <sighs> you can hear, you can hear, you can I hear, I hear it. It's never going to be as good as Clive Barker's original. That movie is genius. It's under, movie, underrated, underappreciated. It really is. It's very underappreciated, and um. I, I I mean when I when I review it, um, I do look at the good things, the bad things, the worst parts about it because I don't want to sit there and just tell everyone, oh yeah, it's a great movie. You're just gonna get my honest opinion about it, my honest review. Right. Um, the special effects was was amazing. Um, well, that's great. I know. Yeah, I know there was some a uh, lot of shit on the internet, especially in the horror community, um, about. I guess Jamie or something. She, uh, you know, uh, played the new pinhead, and people was like upset about that. They were on the fence. <laughs> I don't. I'm like, it's a fictitious character. I'm like, right, right. Shit. It, it's a you know? it's a cenobite, a demon f- from hell or some dimensional hell. Like, it, yeah, it doesn't matter. Exactly. Gender doesn't matter there. <laughs> it, 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 I'm just like, who gives a shit, you know, right, about right. that? I'm like. The question is, is the story good? Was the acting good? Was the cinematography good? Was the music good? You know, right. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I look for. Cinematography, the lighting, the acting, right. the storyline. Uh, everything like about it. But uh, but I would say I didn't like the characters. I didn't care about them. I just didn't, and I was like, I don't give, I don't like, I don't give two shits about these people. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, you got to kind of care about the people. I did not care. I tried, and I can't. I just didn't. It just didn't. 
it just left me like, oh, I'm just watching a bunch of strangers running around from Cenobite. Yeah. That's just that's just how I looked at it. While when you watch um, Hellraiser, nineteen eighty seven, God dang, you care about them so much. You care about Kirsty, uh, her dad Larry, yeah. and you love the 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 sinister, like the the, the depravity of Frank. You oh, know, yeah, Frank, yeah, yeah. He was Frank. a monster. He was a terrible person. He, he was a terrible person. He was just like a sexual deviant, but he was so religious. And it, it, it was and it was just the, the it's just the uh, with him, it was like, oh, you have this going on, like these two sides of him. It has a lot of complexity and uh and richness with um all of those characters. You even have Julio. Um, you know, we all know the whole story between Julia and Frank. Right. But you cared so much about them. They became your favorites. Even you hated Julia of who who she really is. You love her. I love Julia. She is like the wicked queen. Um, it is, and Hellraiser is a basically a fractured uh, fairy tale. I mean, you you love that about Hellraiser. Um, but this one, I just didn't give a shit. Oh. I just I did not give a shit about the characters. Um, I forgot that actor's name. He was in um. E.R. Um, Gordon Vyshevsky, or I can't pronounce him. I butcher people's names. Yeah, I gotta but be. I gotta be honest with you. I, I I think the last Hellraiser I saw was, I think I stopped around eight. Hellraiser Part Eight, maybe. I don't even remember. But I, I know they've made a few since then, and I just haven't tuned in. You know, so I think they. To me, they. I think they just like just ran with it. You know, like how Hollywood is, or you know, they just run with the franchise. Yeah, to, like, squeeze it. You milk it. it. You milk it, it for it all it's worth. It, that's exactly what they did, and I stopped. Right. Uh, I think it was the one that was in outer space. You, you, you could tell. I still, I can't remember. Um, the three of the Hellraiser movies is Hell on Earth, and I seen in theaters. Right. I, I, I that was that was very fun. Um, to watch it had terry farrell from star trek right um, she was um in it that was very and of course that was the height of um, deep space nine um you know one and two came out when i was 34th grade so <laughs> i had to catch them you know on dvd you know right right um, right right teenager so um and i also read a lot of crime clive barker's novella and things like that so i'm a huge clive barker fan but i know clive barker was uh, the producer behind this reimagined one. How do you feel about a Lord of Illusions? Oh man, I love Lord of Illusions. No, I, I haven't I actually, seen that in a while, but I was working at the movie theater when that when that came out, and man, I loved watching that movie. I thought it was great. That was Lord of Illusions is my heart. Heck yeah. Um, it, it, I mean, shit, the neon noir style. I love that. I love any movies like Nightmare Alley, uh, Catch a Deadly Spell, any movie that has that neo-noir uh, gumshoe style with it. Uh, I love it. But that was a, it was a modern day uh, neo-noir supernatural uh, film, Lord of Illusions. It is, it's, it's, it is, it's part of my heart. I love Hellraiser and Pinhead, but Lord of Illusions is my heart. And um, I did a, a episode of it and it's coming out this month. Oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah, and and um it's you know it's it's a love story too right i've you know honestly i i haven't seen it since man maybe you know 98 or whenever it came out so i gotta 
but I remember loving that movie. Uh, it came out in 90, 95. Yes, 90, I was a... 95. Also, uh, another one I have I have to revisit. I haven't seen uh, Nightbreed in forever either. I need to get a hold of that. Oh, yeah. I know. I want to watch Nightbreed. Yeah. Mm. Put that on the list. <laughs> yeah, put that on it. I think it was last year when I, wa- I rewatched Nightbreed. Yeah. Oh, man. I remember that. I was... Well, when it came out, and remember uh, MTV at the movies? Yeah, yeah, they like. I mean, they had like like this big like you know of marketing like Nightbreed, Nightbreed, you know, coming out. Um, right. I forgot the guy's name, but he he was the host of uh, the show Chris something. And he was like talking about Nightbreed, and you know, you see this interview with Clive and uh, Craig Schaefer, and uh, I I mean there's people that craft on it but i was like come on now you have david cronenberg on you have david cronenberg come on go, you know come on cuz david cronenberg scanners to fly right 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 <laughs> i mean he's the man of body horror and stuff but you know they just craft on it but i was like david cronenberg played a damn good villain in this movie no, i have to see it again i it's been a while been too long probably as is I I believe I did uh an episode of Nightbreed uh, I think it was last year last year podcast. yeah okay. of Nightbreed and um I don't know why everybody was just slap out slow tripping on Nightbreed and y'all I'm like y'all full of shit right. <laughs> but yep. um I'm let's go into just talking about Hellman and All right, back to Hellman. Yes, I know. Like, how did you, uh, I mean, you haven't already told us, you know, told us about like how Hello Van came about, but like, how was like the process of, you know, coming up with Slow Meat Production? By the way, I love uh, Slow Meat. I love the name of that. I actually have the sticker on my back of my car. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow that's great. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm repping. I'm repping. Heck so, yeah. um, how, how did you get into, uh, you know filmmaking and and what was like a lot of the inspiration just not only uh helvin but just just the whole party of everything that you do well i think that uh filmmaking is just in my blood i have an uncle who's a cinematographer he mm-hmm. he's won uh, some awards he was the cinematographer in a mexican film called la otra conquista mm-hmm. and it's pretty darn good it's about the uh Spanish conquest of the Aztecs. And uh, I have another uncle. He made a, a film in the early 70s called Fantoche. And yeah. uh, I'm actually trying to get that uh, subtitled in English and distributed here in the United States. But uh, yeah, I have, I have, uh, it's in my, it's in my blood. It's in my family. I've always loved cinema. My father's Always loved movies. When uh, my parents divorced, he he and I would go to the movie theater, mm-hmm. and um, then uh, we lived uh, fairly close to a video rental store. And uh, I had a weekly allowance. I could go and rent VHS movies and and binge watch them. And uh, so yeah, I've just always loved movies. Mm-hmm. And I've always loved vans. Every vehicle, almost every vehicle I've ever owned has been a van. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. probably a direct result of my father, who was a musician. Mm-hmm. And um, 
he would always tell me, you know, the van is the best way to, to transport equipment, you know, value, valuable equipment. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I guess I have had an affinity for vans and I got to a point, I said, I'm going to make a killer van movie. And I got drunk one night on eBay. I bought a, I bought a, a van that belonged to a fire, a fire station in the city of op Alabama. Uh, drove down and picked it up and I uh, drove it home and about an hour away from home, the engine blew up <laughs> and, uh, I had it towed to my mechanics and, uh, my mechanics house burnt down Damn. and, uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I said, well, there's the story, right? You know, it was a van that belonged to a fire department and the, uh, one of the volunteer firefighters was an arsonist. And then I would just uh, go to a open mic, uh, a comedy open mic here in Kent, Ohio mm -hmm. at the Europe at the Euro gyro. Mm -hmm. I'd drink a pitcher of beer and I'd write death scenes. And, uh, that's how, that's how I wrote Hellvan. And then eventually I wrote enough death scenes. I said, well, I better try and flesh these characters out and, uh, have, try and make this all make sense. I wrote it out of order. I didn't write it like a beginning, middle, end. I, right. it, it, it just was a hodgepodge of scenes that I had to thread together and, then with a rewrite, make it tighter, and then a third, third draft, mm -hmm. make it real tight. Mm -hmm. And then uh, going into the fourth draft, I said, "Screw it, let's just start shooting." So yeah, and we just—that's how we made Hellvan. We didn't have financing. I self-financed the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, I've basically bankrupted myself. I'm still, you know, skirting that zero, that zero dollar mark in my bank account. It sucks, but. Um, I've gotten a lot of fun and joy out of it. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with the movie. Oh, I'm going to say it like this. So, there's a lot of inspiration behind all that. Just starting off with just getting that van on eBay and in uh, good old Alabama. Yeah. Close up and, um, now I see now it makes so much sense. And for that other part, you know, the financing, it will it will it will come up. It will come back up. Yeah. You know. Right, right. It's it a little bit I, mean, I keep it's just I get a paycheck and then I put all that money into the promotion of the movie. I, I thought that, you know, once the movie was finished, I'd mm -hmm. I'd be able to pad my account a little bit, but it's like, no, no, it turns out when you're going to these conventions and you're hawking the movie, you know, it all costs a little bit of money. So, yeah, it did. Yeah, it right. does. It really does. It does. But, but look at like the, but, but the optimistic side of it is it gain, is gaining a lot of attention. Well, I hope so. You know, little by little, I told, uh, I told a co-producer, I said, listen, man, if, if I have to individually sell a million copies to a million mm -hmm. people, you know, mm -hmm. to become a millionaire, then that's what I'm going to have to do. Shoot, I would too. Heck yeah. <laughs> but no, no, I'm hoping that, uh, I'm hoping that I can sell the movie and get the, and get the money for the sequel because we're going to have a good time with the part two. It'll be bigger and better. 
And I know they don't want to be in the sequel. Mm -hmm. We've learned some lessons from part one. We'll, we'll we'll make all new mistakes with part two. Oh, I feel that like part, you know, Hellman. Um, I've seen a little bit of the mistakes, but you know what? I just, I just like, wow, this is like so fucking amazing. <laughs> and and you know, uh, I was gonna discuss about the uh, different genres that I seen in this movie, um, especially with the the beginning sequence, you know, um, coming in and have like this uh, narration with it. Um, I wanted to ask you this question. Sure. Who is the guy that was eating the dinner and then all of a sudden it switches and he's just like devouring like this piece of meat and he's in the nude? Who well, is that guy? Well, that's my father, Rogelio De La Rosa. Well, he played his part. He played the shit out of that part because I was like, oh, okay, who's this guy right here? I'm like, okay, dinner. And then it just said, boom. And I was like, whoa, what is this right here? Him getting naked. Him getting part. naked was it was his idea. My father is a party animal. He can he can he can puts us all to shame, all us young kids. He puts us to shame. But uh oh, I like that. Oh yeah, the man knows how to party. And I said, Dad, I, I want to film you as the as the man who is pretending to be civilized, and then the man who is raw, you know, and you're going to be dirty and filthy and eating raw meat. And then, and he instantly said, and I'm going to be naked. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and uh, if you get a hold of, if you get a copy of the Blu-ray, there's a making of, and at the very end, you get to see the process of getting him dirty. It, it wasn't, it's not pretty. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but yeah, your dad is in rare form. And I can't believe that's your dad. Like, bravo to your dad right there. That's that's what I'm talking about right there. He looks like he would put everybody to shame. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. I should have made him the, the town sheriff, maybe. I don't know. He's hard to work with sometimes. Well, I think you should, you should put him in the second one. Huh. Because... Yeah. He, I, I mean, yeah, put him in the second one because I was, I mean, that's what, I was like, whoa! I was like, damn, that's pretty awesome because it had, it reminded me of something like out of Twin Peaks because right. the, uh, yeah, it did. It just reminds me of something like that, you know, we have the little uh, dwarf guy that's like did all the dancing, but he was talking backwards right. throughout the Twin Peaks show. Right. And it has that similar, like the similarity of that, you know, when Agent Dale Cooper goes into these fever dreams when he's you know about Bob and all that, and and you have like little homeboy, you know, <laughs> like okay, <laughs> whatever. But it, but your dad was pretty freaking cool. You know, I actually showed it to um, Helvin that part to this guy, yeah. and I was talking like just just mad props to you to you and your team in the movie. And and then, and that part I showed him to, him, I was like, man, look at this. I'm like, this is badass. And when he's seen it, he just like, uh, I think he's just, you know, some people are just not like really like big into like, they think, you know, they're more like in a safe horror. Right. Um, but when he's seen that, he was like, you know, that's a little weird. I was like, but it's genius. <laughs> that, I'm like, but it's genius. 
I was like, and I'm talking to this guy on Sunday. He's like, oh, really? I was like, yeah, because I'm going to ask him questions about that scene because, damn, that motherfucking scene was fire. And it does, and it pulls you, and it really pulls you in like, oh, my gosh, what else is coming up next? I like that. The idea was to let the audience know what they were getting right away. Like, hey, stay tuned. This is It's going to get crazy. Oh, it got crazy. It got wild with it. It really did. But um, but I've seen so many um genres in it. The uh the two Rockwallers of Zildjian and Sabian. I was like, uh, what's a drum set? Um, but um, how did y'all get those dogs to act perfect? Oh, I was hoping that they'd be they'd be a little scarier, but um and uh but we we actually filmed that junkyard scene uh in October of 2019 mm-hmm. with uh the guy the actor who plays Garth, his name is Matt Anderson, and he has a dog, a, a pity named uh, Sabian, and Sabian has a blue eye and a brown eye. And mm-hmm. Uh, so we're like, well, let's, we're going to shoot the scene. I wrote it to be two Rottweilers Mm -hmm. and it was like, you know what? Let's try and just use Sabian. I don't know where I can get Rottweilers. And, uh, she, that dog was just too happy the entire night. She was smiling and her tongue was hanging out and she Mm -hmm. did not look frightening. And, um, and Matt, the you know Sabian's owner, mm-hmm. kind of uh, didn't seem afraid enough of that dog. So a year later, I was like, "We got to go." I'm like, "I'm going to get two Rottweilers, like the way I wrote it, and we're going to mm-hmm. go back out and we're going to you know rent the junkyard again and mm-hmm. uh, reshoot that night scene with the dogs." Mm-hmm. And uh, so in the next town over, there's a, a guy, his name is Bill Whited, and he raises uh, German shepherds and rots, and uh, he raises dogs for security and, you know, for the police department, for police departments, okay. and he trains them. And he had, those two rots were his, like, two main breeding rots that were very comfortable with him. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so he came out, and we had a lot of fun shooting with those two dogs and they still look like they're pretty happy, but he was up on top of the van with his Mm -hmm. uh, bite guard and the dogs, when they see that thing, they love to attack it, you know? And that's kind of how we got all those shots where where he was in the background taunting the dogs and then we'd let the dogs run loose and they'd go crazy. So, but uh, nobody was in. Oh, and so when Matt Anderson, when he's running away from the dogs, like, he was actually running like he was afraid <laughs> he was <actually laughs> afraid he was going to get his ass bit. But no, that that wasn't ever going to happen. So we, we had it under control. It was a fun night, a long night, but another fun night. Well, it looks fun. And, um, you know, a fantastic job with um, the Rottweilers. The Rottweilers, yeah. Well, it was a fantastic job. <laughs> now, the gore part the bloodiness the grossness of it which um i like that y'all did not hold back um on uh, on the special effects the practical effects and 
um i can tell that this is not like a lot of people like that have say for yeah. you didn't you didn't want to have say for that's 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 the appeal um another appeal about it is that you didn't hold nothing back in this movie no and i appreciate that just as a horror fan that uh I, i'm so sick of so, you know, some of these movies are having, you know, being safe horror. I'm like, why would you want to put horror in a box? Horror is not intended to be in a damn box, period. Right. I, honestly, I, I thought that I didn't have enough blood and guts, but... I think you had, like, the right amount of blood and guts. I mean, because, uh, hell, I was sitting there telling you play by play what I liked about right. <laughs> You know, we had, a, we had a, a big special effects team, you know, it was um ron george he's out of cleveland ohio he's great karen roberts who works uh with blind sight productions and mm -hmm. she's phenomenal uh angel o'connor out of uh out of pittsburgh danny batone out of uh cuyahoga falls cleveland area um trying to think oh yeah uh michaela simonson uh yeah we had a big special effects team and it was it was a lot of fun working with with all of them. You know, sometimes all these all these artists are freelance, and you know they're mm -hmm. they're hopping from film production to film production. So if somebody couldn't couldn't make it, we'd have to find somebody else to come and make it. Because we yeah. shot the movie over five years, mm -hmm. and uh, because that's you know I'm I'm self financing it, and that's just like okay, I've saved up enough money to be able to afford this. So yeah. Basically, that's how how the movie played out. Unfortunately, but eh, not unfortunately, I'm I'm satisfied with it. But yeah, we had a great special effects team, and we had a, a pretty dedicated and talented uh, cast and crew working on the movie. Oh, oh, and it and it shows too. It really shows um, because um, I, I was like, wow. This not only the production, the uh, you know special effects team, down to the actors, the writing, and it, you, it shows like in a lot of the uh, people that you had, they they put their heart and soul into it, right? And you, you know they had, a, and you know that they have a lot of fun, and that's what that's what makes it. That's what just makes it the movie is just how all of y'all just put everything into it because you believe in it. And I and I've seen that. I really seen that. And um I've seen where people would put something on, say, oh, it's a horror, and they just, just slap it, you just slap something together. Yeah. And and then all of a sudden they just they get so uh you know they get so many fans and uh people just think they're like oh they're so cool and and they get very popular and then, you know wherever how our society is um i live in my own little world <laughs> sometimes i have to come back and it's like oh okay y'all good and everything let me go back to my world right. and, and a lot of it is just such mediocre bullshit well and, i mean some i don't think i mean maybe some people are just half-assing it I mean, yeah, I mean, it is it's mediocre. No, I'm, I call it what it is. It, it, they're just, yeah, they half-ass it and it's just fucking mediocre. 
Yeah. I mean, come on, dude. I live in a, I live in a place where people are just straight up mediocre, and I'm just like, whoa. Maybe because of like my family, my family, um, you know, uh, blue collar working class. But then on my mom's side, um, you know, educated, upper, you know, middle class and everything. So um, I have like the blue collar, uh, you know, uh, worth ethic, and then I have that. So it's it's it's, it's like I'm be- I'm in two worlds, so <laughs> so I can see both sides. I find it pretty interesting, but it can be a little lonely. Uh, it may sound like I'm, um, you know, being a bit pretentious, but, you know, well, that's my dad's side. God, those, those motherfuckers are some damn pretentious assholes. But, <laughs> but, um, but no, like, I can see, like, what is quality and what's not quality. And I can't stand when I see uh, somebody that actually literally, I mean, just put everything, you know, so much into it uh from the cast the crew and everything else like with hellvan and then you have like something of uh that's gained so much popularity and people just like make a shine of it because it's you know it's kind of like in the trend of something or whatever yeah. and um it kind of it, and, it, and it is and it can be disheartening for some people but um i like to you know show people that like hey you know just because this is not like super trendy or super popular or whatever that uh look at this right here this these people like actually made a movie and this is actually a fucking good grindhouse or you know um action movie and and i think it needs like that recognition right there because you can tell the difference i mean and i was in theater um, I did, um, and also did makeup, um, all of that, you know, I've been in stage theater and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, you, you could tell, like, I can have, I have like somewhat of a background, like in like of that department. And, um, that's what I, I, I always look for, you know, not just, um, you know, we watched, you know, you watch a movie and, um, it's always been like that with me. Cause, um, when I was a little kid, I always watched movies, um, always look for who directed it who's key grip uh special effects who uh fucking water in and in the food and stuff like that you know <laughs> who's on dolly right. I, I look i pay attention to things like that I, I i mean i pay attention when i read the credits i pay attention to that who did the sound and by the way the soundtrack oh my gosh man yeah. I'm where prou- did you I'm find proud those guys what's that where did you find them Find who? Those, oh my God, the people who did the soundtrack. Wow, those are all. So that's been, uh, you know, I've I've cultivated friendships with a lot of musicians, in my lifetime, and I called in a lot of favors. We recorded yeah. ten bands in seven days in my basement studio. I transformed my basement into a recording studio. I had my good friend Brian Wolbert bring all of his. Mm-hmm. Uh, decent recording gear to the house and mm-hmm. we set them up in the living room and ran uh, uh ran lines down into the basement and we drank a lot of beer and we drank a lot of whiskey and uh some of the guys enjoyed some reefer we cooked for everybody we had bands stay the night um but yeah we, re- we recorded 10 bands in seven days in my basement and uh it was like basically a week-long party and uh and it's awesome. I'm very, very proud of that soundtrack. I think it's 
part of the part of the fun of the movie. It it is you part know? of the fun of the movie. We just, it's like it's the slow mutants way is to challenge ourselves and to go bigger than we uh than we've ever been, you know, to try and set the bar higher than what we can actually reach and and attempt to reach it. And sometimes we're successful. You know? That's well, uh well, that's I, that's I, our my ethic, my motivation. The whole seven days of fans reporting, that sounds like a music documentary in itself. You know, we were, um, and we had behind the scenes crews running the whole time, you know, for the, during the recording of the soundtrack, during the making of the movie. There's an hour long uh, special feature on the making of the movie on the Blu-ray, which we just put together and it's pretty entertaining. Um, nice. but, yeah, it's a, it was a, it was chaos, total chaos. A lot of, a lot of dumb accidents. You know, nobody getting hurt, just like, well, we have to call the fire department. We lost control of the fire. <laughs> you know, <laughs> nobody was in danger. We did everything right. I had a safety crew there. It's just, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a fun <laughs> the story. Even, you know, going big, as far as going big, like, even in that commentary, even in the commentary. Uh -huh. you have? We got 28 people on that commentary. That's, insa that's insane. You know, I haven't read through the commentary yet. Yeah. There's 28 people on the commentary track. Not, I didn't record it. I recorded us in groups of four or five, you mm -hmm. know, but still it's, it's pretty awesome. That sounds insane. Mm. Oh, mm -hmm. the whole seven days of bands. I got to think, and I was like, damn, it takes, it takes me back to my, uh, my college years when I got out of high school <laughs> and um, there was these guys um, one of them is actually a uh, he does theater in New York on Broadway off and on and uh, the bass guitarist uh, me and him used to be real good friends like all through high school and I don't know what happened he just got really jaded and bitter like after three marriages and oh like, yeah three I'm marriages like, oh, Lordy, Lordy. yeah and i was like oh dude i think it's you not them <laughs> i was like and i know all your three xy's and yeah. i think it's you because he kind of got the bitching one night and i'm just like oh my god i was like i can't i was like you're, you're, you know, it's very, it was very negative. I can understand he was frustrated, but he just kept going and going and going. And I'm like, bro, I've been divorced for like pretty good while. And I can't, you know, he was, he was, he was basically stuck. Yeah. Um, but um, kind of like, oh, we go and tiptoe, you know, kind of, you know, distance him a little bit. Yeah. Um, but he but he was uh he was the bassist um there was another guy named shannon he was the guitarist and i was like the the chick that sat on the couch it was like it felt like something out of scott pilgrim you know i watched him you know play i actually uh shadowed a lot of neil's moves because he was a drummer Mm -hmm. and this dude drums so fast so they got pretty popular and i believe they uh 
signed on with Interscope Records. Oh wow! And when they yeah, they were about to hit their big break until Neil quit, and he was like, "I'm done." Why? And he moved. And he I don't know. I I have no idea. I was trying to get it out of him. Like, what happened? Like, what happened? And you know, why did Neil quit? So he just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Who they say? And um. And he went. He moved to New York and became an actor. Oh wow! But they, yeah, but they tried to get somebody to replicate Neil's uh, drum style. Mm-hmm. Nobody cannot do it because Neil was a fast drummer. He is like his drumming skills was like right up there with like Lars Earl Ulch, you know, over. I can't pronounce his last name. Right, but, right. From Metallica. Yeah, right. he was up there with Lars and um. A lot of other like bands, you know, drummers and stuff. And he did. He played so fast. So I'm sitting there watching on the couch. I'm like, how in the hell, if something happens to Neil, how the fuck can I like replicate this? Because mm. he drummed so fast. He was so good at it. But yeah, they, they I mean, they almost made their big break until Neil. Like, oh, Do you remember what was the name of the band? Do you remember? Uh, Lucia Mad. Lucia. Oh God, man, that's that. You're. I'm trying to. That's been twenty some years ago, and I'm. I'm just like Lucia Mad. But yeah, Lucia Mad. That was their name. They uh, say it again for me slowly. Lucia Mad. Like M A D Mad. Yeah, M A D Mad. Lucia Mad. Hmm. Yeah, Lucia Mad. That's been twenty some years ago. Right, right. And I used to, you know, they go to, you know, hit bars and, you know, with their open mics and, you know, with yeah. their gigs, and I carry their equipment. And they were out of Texas, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, out of small town. There was another uh, band here in East Texas. Uh, they got pretty popular. Uh, it's called. They were called My Remains. Uh, one of the guys, I'm gonna tell you, like, uh, one of the guys, I, be, I believe he played with my remains, but he left. Uh, but he moved to Los Angeles. And, um, do you remember the blonde headed girl off a of, uh, old school that was doing the KY jelly wrestling? <laughs> no, oh my god, you have not seen old school. Oh, I've no. seen old school, I mean, but I, I don't remember that. I, uh, you don't remember, I remember that. KY Jelly Wrestling thing. They were topless. Oh boy. Yeah, they were the girls was topless. Yeah. The blonde chick was topless. He married her. And he's also uh he was in he was on tour with Madonna. So he was Madonna's bass player. Wow. Yeah, and he's from here. No shit. He's from here in Texas. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, but Myra Mains um actually was pretty popular. I mean, they were pretty, you know, well known, not only just here in East Texas, but like, you know, like different parts, like um, Los Angeles and stuff. They were, you know, it was getting pretty big. And then they disbanded and stuff. Yeah. 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 Rod- yeah. yeah uh, I don't know if you know uh, Rodney Carrington. Carrington, excuse me. I mean, I, the name sounds familiar, right? What is that? Who is that? Uh, Rodney Carrington is a, he's a comedian. Okay. Um, he had a show on ABC called Rodney. He's like, um, but me and him, we both share the same theater teacher. Oh, 
cool. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, what? <laughs> Rodney Carrington and I share the same theater teacher. Yeah. I, I was like, that's pretty cool. Heck yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He had like a pretty popular um ABC sitcom called Rodney. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if it ran like two seasons. I believe it was two seasons that he did, two or three seasons. But yeah, it was pretty popular on um, ABC. I think it was back in uh, late, back in the uh, early twenty. I mean, you know, two thousands. Yeah, it was right. back in thousands. But yeah. Um. So my next question to you, all right. I asked this with all of them. What is your perspective on horror? What's your take on horror? What's your perspective? Well, it's very hard to to pull off. Uh, I, I think horror is the maybe the hardest uh, genre to one hundred percent stick. You know, mm-hmm. because you have to create this feeling of unease and mm-hmm. uncertainty and dread. All of that has to happen, and you have to evoke this primal fear, and and particularly with today's audiences, uh, we, I feel like uh, we are desensitized. So it's so it's it's even more difficult now than let's say how it, you know there are child there are kids there are teenagers that watch The Exorcist now, and they're not frightened. You know, they think it's some of them think it's laughable and it's like, but that's not that wasn't the case when The Exorcist came out. The Exorcist mm-hmm. is to me one of the greatest horror films of all time. It's beautiful. And um, and it still gets me. I was raised, you know, Catholic and uh, and there was kind of a sense of, uh, let's say, a naivety in my upbringing. So. Mm-hmm. It affected me decently. A lot of horror did, but for the kids now that, you know, they have uh, 2,000 channels to choose from and the internet, uh, well, hell, they can just, you know, click a button and go watch uh, somebody get his head cut off in real life, you know? So so, uh, a horror movie, like, being able to scare somebody in a horror movie is like I don't think I've I don't think I've achieved that yet, and I, I don't know I may never be able to achieve that. I'll, I'll certainly try. I'm never going to quit trying, but um, you know, I, originally I was trying to make Hellvan scary. I wanted it to be frightening. And then I got I, in the writing process and in the filming process, I realized, no, this is, uh, this may be impossible. The way I've approached this mm-hmm. is uh, I took too much of a, of a warrior's approach to the film mm-hmm. to make it, to make it frightening, to set the tone. I set the tone in a different, in a different genre. And, uh, and also the movie's about a killer van. It's kind of, it would be laughable to try and make it scary. So I have to, I have to walk this line of reality fantasy. And uh, so, yeah, 
will I be able to pull it off with Hellvan Part 2? Probably not, but who knows? Maybe something else. I think you can pull it off in Hellvan too. Mm. I think there's a lot of... I think you have a lot of space um, to create that for Hellvan too. Yeah. It, it may, it may, it may work, and it may not. It may, you may um, have that like in another um, film in the future. But uh, I really do agree with um, how, as a, a society, like you said, like you know, you said the exorcist scared you, um, and because you have uh, because you was raised in, uh, you know, in Catholicism. Right. Um, I watched The Exorcist too. Um, it just it was it, it was okay to me. Yeah. But it just didn't scare me. It didn't scare you. Um, it it, it didn't it didn't scare me. And I think it's because because uh, I'm gonna tell you what really uh scared me as a kid. Um, television show Incredible Hulk. Bruce Banner with Bill Bixby. Yeah. And the reason why uh, when uh, he went through that transformation of the Incredible Hulk. Right. Because he got angry. Right. And when he got angry, he uh, transformed into the Incredible Hulk. Uh, but uh, when during all the little, his eyes and the transformation and stuff, I used to hide behind a couch because <laughs> Yeah, I used to hide behind the couch because I'm like, this nice man that has been accused of so much crap and then he go, you know, this um, gamma rays, like, hit him and um, I was like, man, he had, like, such, like, a shitty, like, ride through, like, his life, his, de his wife is dead and I was like, he just, he just had it and then, of course, the gamma rays, you know, attracted to his DNA and absorbed it and stuff and then he changes into the Incredible Hulk and I was like man this man is so nice he's been through so much shit and he changes into this monster and then people think he is you I mean he looks like a monster but really he's there to like kind of like help people and stuff but I was I, I cried and I was scared of him wow. but he, he was yeah, I, I, cry. I mean, I was like little and I like cry. I like bawled my eyes out because I I felt so bad for him. Mm -hmm. But it's the shit out of me because um, he was he was just in conflict with himself. It was like, am I am I'm still a man or I'm still a monster? And it goes back to um, Frankenstein. Right. And I read I read Frankenstein. I'm a big book reader and everything. I, I love reading books. Um. I felt the same way about Frankenstein too, but Incredible Hulk scared me. Um, I know uh, when um, the popularity of Nightmare on Elm Street um, was really big. Um, at six years old, had a home invasion. There was a guy that was hiding um, in the closet, and my brother and it scared the shit out of uh, my brother and I. Oh wow the shit out of my mom when she flipped the lights on telling us light yelling us i'll take your ass to pass and quit they quit talking right you know and there's this guy you know we could have got killed i mean the guy could have done something to my brother and i i mean we oh, was wow. paralyzed in fear right. and that's when freddie krueger and that scared me because i'm like damn 
Freddy Krueger is actually real, but it was actually a guy that hid in the closet, you know, um, you know, stealing stuff. But you know, he heard us, so he hid in the closet. We don't he know how long. Well, we're lucky that we're lucky that he wasn't a crazy murderer. Jeez, Louise. Exactly. So I was like, from that, I was like afraid of Freddy Krueger, mm-hmm. and and I was like, man, Freddy Krueger <laughs> could be coming out the closet. But I had this fear. And um, I just got over that fear after my grandmother passed away in July. Um, I usually leave the light on and have the door, the closet door open. Mm-hmm. And then after she passed away, something to me just turn off the light and just shut the closet door. Oh, and wow. that was it. That was that took me a long. That took me thirty eight years. Wow. To get over that fear. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. Um, it's a, it's a lot of things that I feel that, you know, like you said, like, it, you know, you have the streaming service, you have the, um, you know, uh, 2000 channels. Uh, but it, it is, it's a different, uh, it's a different time because kids, like you said, people are so desensitized to like horror. Now they have an elevator horror. Um, I, I'm, uh, have you watched Midsommar? No, I haven't seen that. You need to watch it. Um, that scared the poop out of me right there too. Oh wow! Yeah, and it and it takes place in the daylight. Right. It is. It takes place in the daylight. That 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 like got me like, oh shit! You know, I'm like, mm. oh my god! That have that had me having a heart attack. I'm like, I'm having a heart attack from this movie. Right. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's really good. It deals with a lot of issues from trauma bonds everything okay i call it the ultimate breakup movie oh wow. okay okay <laughs> well i'll have to i'll have to watch it i'll have to my 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 uh co-producer lewis delbain he uh-huh. was raving about it but i just uh sometimes i just i mean you know i live behind a movie theater and sometimes my finances and my psychology just aren't in a line to, to just go to the movies and uh yeah man i think that last movie i went and saw was dr strange and in, in the mouth of madness not the mouth of madness and dr strange in the multiverse of madness but dr. yeah yeah and that's only i only went and saw that because sam raimi was the director and it just felt like sam raimi was uh parodying himself is how i felt you know what? Yeah. Since you mentioned Sam Raimi, yeah. I did feel some Evil Dead, and there's some Sam Raimi up in there in Hellman. I really did. Oh yeah, no, he's a big inspiration. He's a hero to me. Sam he... Raimi, J.R. Bookwalter. He's out of Akron, Ohio. He made a he made a movie called The Dead Next Door. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big one. That's one I love. Oh, I just rewatched uh, Killer Nerd. That's a Kent mm-hmm. filmmaker. Uh, his name is Wayne Allen Harold. I watched that uh, at Cinema Wasteland this weekend. And um, let's see. Yeah, I'm, I'm more inspired by the the low budget, no budget guys that are, you know, uh, making something fun and memorable to watch. Uh, Sam Raimi's one of my heroes, though, because he turned Evil Dead into this uh, million dollar franchise and, and an amazing career. And uh, he sure did, and yeah. you know, that's that's facts on facts, like chicken racks on racks, right there. Because 
I have Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, mm -hmm. uh, Army of Darkness. I mean, he's doing, he's coming back with Darkman. Oh my huh. goodness, I love damn Darkman. Darkman. Darkman was shit, though. Mm -hmm. um, That's Liam Neeson, I think, who's the uh, yeah. original Darkman. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Larry, the late Larry Drake playing Durant. Oh man, Larry Drake, and then you know Larry Drake also uh was Doctor Giggles. Ooh. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right, Doctor Giggles. Woo! Huh. Larry Drake was something tough when when Larry. Okay, um, um, you ever remember that show, L.A. Law? I mean, I was younger. I mean, I, I know the show. I I don't think I've ever really watched it. I I, I just I mean I seen some of it when I was younger, and I was like, this is adult I'm like this isn't look it looks boring yeah but larry drake he played uh a guy on there that worked at the lawyer's office um with uh you know he was uh, uh you know with mental you know disability yeah and he played the hell out of that role too because everybody thought he was in real life no when he was on dark man playing durant as the villain he surprised the crap out of audience they're like whoa you play this guy who's all nice and sweet and you know he's uh you, you know he has like a mental disability and then you're playing this uh guy that's a villain he's like killing everybody and then he went over dr giggles uh I think yeah, Holly Marine Combs was um in it. She was she was on charm. She played Piper. Um, and then he went on to Dr. Giggles and oh man, Larry Drake was dude, he was amazing playing a villain. I, I like when actors have like their different um, you know, acting range instead of just being pigeonholed in the same right. role. Right. But um, you know, when he was in played Durant with Sam Raimi. And, and and you know like how Sam Raimi style, uh, especially with Spider Man, because I was he, you know this is not his first time uh, directing a Marvel character, you know Spider Man. So when I seen Raimi uh, work, I was like, wait a minute, that's Raimi right there. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, shit, that's their Raimi though. I was like, you. You just know Raimi's signature. Yeah, he's got a he's got a style. It's him. He does. Mm -hmm. He's got a signature style, and you just you just can't forget it. I mean, because you know, if you were a big huge fan, we came out with uh, Evil Dead. I remember my son; he was around three years old. I come back from I don't know work or whatever. He's listening to the commentary. He's three years old, three or four years old, listening to the commentary. Wow. He comes up to me. He's like, Mom, you know they use oatmeal. What a special effects on so forth of the demon. But no, he listened to the commentary. Um had Bruce Campbell. Um, you know, I believe Raymond was uh, uh on it too. Yeah, he was. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if Ted was in his brother Ted. Um, actually, my ex boyfriend he um seen Sam Raimi. He has a picture. Uh, he did you know did a signing with Sam Raimi. He had a picture with Sam Raimi and oh, Ted. Right. And I was like, 
motherfucker, I'm jealous of you. <laughs> <laughs> He's like sitting there, like, look, there's Sam Raimi with me. Look, right. there's Tad. You know, I'm like, fuck you, dude. But, <laughs> but um, but yeah, like that's like how much of an influence that Sam Raimi um has on my kids. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, uh, I mean, even uh Army of Darkness, uh, and also uh, you know, Bruce Campbell. He's like you know, the same thing. My son's like three or four years old, and he does the scene, you know, at Army Army of Darkness, the boomstick. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! You talking mm-hmm. about my daughter and I was just hacking up lungs and crying, and just falling just off the bed. He did it so perfectly, and he did it uh, one time, like one of my friends, and he just went on with the boomstick, uh, whole you know dialogue and the. Oh, it was it was hilarious. It was. I actually seen Bruce Campbell, but he was doing uh he was like on something called a I forgot what it was, but he was pretending to be a game show host and he actually did say something to me because and then I froze because I was like, Oh shit. Oh froze. Like, classic. Great. You blew your you blew your chance. I blew my chance because oh. I was like Fudge. I'm like Bruce Campbell is talking to me. No, I know. And then in the end of the night, um, they were having autographs, and they and they had like the three rows that was closer to the stage to come and they can get autographs from Bruce Campbell and my son. We tried so hard. My son just broke down crying. Mm-hmm. But I was so glad the guy I just told you, my ex-boyfriend at the time I was going out with him, he he consoled my son. I was like, oh thank God he's I'm going out with him. <laughs> well, that's good. Because because and he handled it too. And I was just like, that is very sweet, you know. But my son, he just he was so brokenhearted because he wanted to meet his hero. He wanted to meet Bruce Campbell so bad and get an autograph. I really loved it. Well, it doesn't have to be the last opportunity. Oh no! Oh no! It doesn't have to be his last opportunity. Only time he just need to get off his video games with that Twitch. Yeah, I have Twitch too. <laughs> but um, he's he's fifteen, so uh, I'm I'm just waiting for the time whenever he gets tired of the computer games. I mean, I play video games too, but gee whiz, I'm just like, hey, I'll get you involved with it. <laughs> it becomes their lives. Yeah. It does, it does, mm-hmm. and it's and it's just taking away everything. It's like really hard, and because they, uh, I don't know. I he throws a tantrum. Like, are you gonna do that when you get older? Well, you have to maybe have a conversation with him about it. I I, I do I do, and yeah, I was like, well, you know, if this keeps up, I'm sending you to your dad. Yeah, yeah. So like no <laughs> mm, okay keep it up dude he's a he's a cool kid and everything it's just <sighs> teenager angst it's wow. cool uh, <laughs> it's like what did i what did i like remember from my teenage years yeah crap yeah that's how i looked at it crap i'm like i can't wait to get to be an adult crap <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, being an adult, it's not all it's cracked up to be, huh? 
actually enjoy being an adult. Oh, you do, do you? Yeah, I actually do. I, I just, I don't under, maybe it's because I was just raised around old, old people. Uh. Yeah, so I really don't connect a lot with my age group. I yeah. connect with older people. Mm-hmm. Strange, but I don't know, it gives you an advantage, but it can leave you at a disadvantage, especially with the socialization. Yeah. But, oh, well. <laughs> well, we're going to go ahead and close out the show. All right. So, Jorge. Yes. Let the horror audience, the horror fiends out there, let them know where they can find you and everything else. Sure. Well, hey, uh, Hellvan is actually screening at Scarefest in Lexington, Kentucky on Sunday around uh, 3 p.m. It's the Scarefest Film Festival. That's October 23rd, Sunday uh, around 3 p.m at Scarefest in Lexington, Kentucky. That's the next upcoming screening. And if you're in the uh, Northeast Ohio area, we're having a house party on the October 28th, bands and the backyard screening. And then October 29th, we're uh, doing a matinee rock show at No Class in Cleveland and, uh, and showing the movie there. And then that also at the same venue that night is Venom and Ringworm performing. So that night's going to be pretty, pretty ripping. Um, and beyond that, if you would like a DVD or a Blu-ray, uh, you kind of have to find me at a convention because I'm uh, holding out for a, a distribution deal. And so I don't mind, uh, you know, selling them uh, person to person, but I'm not prepared to go to the post office every day and ship these things out, you know? So you got to find me at a con and, uh, and who knows, maybe I'll get a digital distribution deal and, uh, get some money to make a sequel. It'd be pretty awesome. But until then you're just gonna have to take uh, Texas horror babes, uh, word for it, that the movies, the movies fun. This definitely is fun. And thank you for that. Dang, I want to, I want to come up there for the little house party. <laughs> I want to come to Ohio. Yeah, Ohio's a trip. I bet it is. I mean, like, I know people ask me, like, what are you doing for Halloween? I'm like, I don't like it. I usually have something for Halloween. Yeah. But this year, it's just been so super busy. Yeah. And it's booked up with gigs and you know everything else like i get ready for tax season oh lord i have no no costume i have nothing prepared whatsoever and i thought about i was like you know what it's probably because i need a free weekend like just a little vacation somewhere Mm -hmm. (laughs) quiet (laughs) you gotta Um, you gotta have self-love you gotta you gotta dedicate time for yourself you know i know right yeah and it's been a while too Um, oh boy oh boy i know right right but thank you so much jorge and thank you for and your crew and everybody of making this fabulous one hell of a ride 
called Kelvin. Keisha and Lacey, I truly appreciate it. I do. Uh, thank you so much for promoting us. I and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. You know, I I like for I like for another one to come out. I like for I love for everybody to succeed and stuff. Like, hey. yeah. <laughs> well, time will tell. I don't know. I'm 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 developing the script. The the mechanics of the script are, you know, the the gears are grinding in my brain, and I'm as I'm. There's a lot of things grinding in my brain, and that's one of them. So. Hey. That's, what, uh, that's where uh, beer comes in. Beer is a great lubricant for letting it out. I'm cracking up laughing. Actually, for me, it's Tennessee or, or some weed. Just a little bit. Not a lot. Right, right. I, I, some beers I can't. I'm like, I just, I do hard liquor. Right. Some coffee, some tea. But no. I gave up my beer drinking days. I had too many Budweisers, and <laughs> and I see people like drinking Budweiser. I'm like, man, that is some high school, junior high shit right there. You should have grown out of. Mm. Have taste, man. Like have taste. <laughs> Everybody's got a poison. Everybody does have a poison. I mean, I'm just like, it is what it is. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jorge. You have been a complete gem. Thank you so, so much. And people find him um, on Instagram. Um, slow Mutant. Is it Slow Mutants? Um, Just Slow Mutants. All one word. Find on Slow Mutants. Follow him. And whatever he like announces, please do pay attention. Read and go check check him out when he's at a con whenever he's like having like these promotions please do that because y'all don't sleep on hell man this movie's the shit all right thank you so much thank you and, and no thank you i'm thank you for just just damn just thank you i'm just looking look at me I, I got a kool-aid i got a kool-aid smile <laughs> what's our time at here uh, <laughs> I mean, I have to sign in again to get, sign in as guest. Jeez, Louise, yes. All right. All right. Well, all right then. Um, thank you so much, Jorge. And this is the Random Horror Show.